Psalm number 25. We only made it through verse 1 last week, so we'll go ahead and read that verse 2. Psalm 25, and then we'll read through verse number 7. I don't think I'll make it any further than verse 7. I might not make it that far. Um, Psalm 25, verse number 1. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. I, I hope you, like me, this week, after having spent time with that verse last week, um, you know, for me, it gave me just a new picture as I'm praying. Um, you know, not that it's not something that we've done before, we prayed before, but just to have that picture and image in my mind of lifting my soul, you know, up to the Lord. Verse 2 says, Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed. That's not the ones who are waiting upon the Lord, but let them be ashamed who aren't waiting upon the Lord, which transgress without cause. I mean, that verse makes me think about the Lord saying, again, I think we said it last week, but how he, they hated him without cause. Um, you can go on Sermon Audio on their new site, their beta site, which they'll eventually they'll switch over to. Um, I think it's like sermonaudio.com forward slash beta. I'm not, I can't remember for sure. But anyway, they just had a conference in New York City and there were protesters, you know, outside. Um, and they were, they think they have a cause. Um, you know, they, one man was, was um, just really animated with his his sign. I forget what he had on his sign, but um, he said he said this is a gayborhood instead of a neighborhood. It's a gayborhood. Well, if that's what it is, then it's a gooberhood. You know what a goober is, besides a peanut. That that's a person who's a fool. That's foolish. Their attitudes. You know, their actions, um, foolish. Not just in their protest. I'm talking about how they're living before God. Um, it's foolish. And that's not me calling it foolish. The scripture calls them, you know, foolish. Called even the man who, you know, had so many goods that he didn't have a place to put them, so he built bigger barns. The Lord said to him, Thou fool, this night your soul is going to be required of you. You know, whose who's are those things going to be then? You're not going to take those things with you. You're not going to have many goods laid up for many years to come in hell. Um, you know, you're going to spend eternity in a place where you're going to be just asking for one drop of water, you know. So you can go and watch it if you want. That's the reason I brought it up. You can see, you know, what they were, they were having to walk through, you know, those people. Um, it was the same sort of thing. I think we went to homeschool convention in the woodlands and what was it was it ken ham was there that year and so there were all kinds of protesters against creation you know that were out front um that you had to walk past and 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 they say that that we're the ones that are haters and they're the ones that are that are screaming hatred you know um but anyway uh, one man was trying to tell him look go back and listen to the messages that we've preached you know I mean, what you're accusing us of is 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 false. Um, you're you're hating us without a cause. You know, just because 
just the word of God disagrees with your lifestyle, you know, um, we're trying to preach the truth to you, you know, um, but they just shouted him down. They wouldn't listen. Um, so let them be ashamed, which transgress without cause. Verse four says, show me thy ways. We were just singing about that, weren't we? Show me thy ways, lead me, um, teach me thy paths. Verse five says, lead me in thy truth and teach me for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Is there anything new that God is doing? It's, he's been merciful of old. Um, remember, verse 7 says, not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. This must be further along in David's life. He's reflecting back. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions according to thy mercy. Remember thou me for thy goodness' sake, O Lord. And we'll stop there this morning. Go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Brother Bruce, would you pray for us? Yes. Amen. You may be seated. Um, came across this passage of scripture this week, and I, just, I had to read it to you to begin with here. But it's it's Psalm one thirty two, verses thirteen through eighteen, where the Lord says, "For the Lord hath chosen Zion; he hath desired it." 
for his habitation. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? I mean, you, you are the temple. You are the tabernacle of the living God. God has chosen. He's not only chosen, but it says he desired. Listen to what it says. He hath desired it for his habitation. This, he says, is my rest forever. Here will I dwell. I will be with them. I will be their God, and they shall be, you know, my people. He says, here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priest with salvation. You wouldn't want to hear me otherwise. If I was standing up here and I wasn't clothed with salvation. I mean, that was just the most remarkable thing to me whenever I first discovered that there were people, you know, as a young person, that there were people who were not even converted who chose to be a preacher as an occupation. You know, that was just an incredible thought to me. You know, how could someone who didn't even know the Lord stand behind a pulpit and preach about him? You know, that was just an incredible thing in my mind. But um, I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame. Now that relates to where we read here, you know, about let me not be ashamed, but let them be ashamed that transgress without cause. He says, his enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. Of course, speaking of Christ, right? But have, have you had cause this week to to use verse number one that we looked at last week. You know, Lord, here I am again. You know, here's, here's my needy soul. Here's my poor soul. I lift it up unto you. You know, I, I heard it in Sister Delina's text that she sent out this week um, when she said this. She said, even if we receive negative news, we will trust in you. We'll trust in God, even if we receive negative news, even if we receive the news we don't want to receive. We're going to trust in God. We trust in you. Uh, but again, I have a new picture when I pray of lifting up, you know, uh, my soul unto, you know, heaven, unto, un before God himself. So um, it's, a, it's a wonderful picture when we think about it. Uh, there's, there's so many things that are happening uh, in, in each other's lives. I mean, Brother JT is talking about unity this morning. Well, I mean, when you're praying throughout the week, do you have one another come before your thoughts uh, and lift one another up? Not just my soul, but I'm going to lift up Donnie's soul. I'm going to lift up Delina's soul. I'm going to lift up Andrew's soul. I'm going to lift up Rebecca's and Bill's and Cohen's and all of you. Lift up all your souls. I told you before how that when I'm praying, a lot of times I'll go through the pew and I'll start thinking about where everybody sits. So I, don't, I try not to miss anybody, you know, because you typically sit in the same place. So as I go in my mind through that pew and make my way around, I've seen your faces. And I don't know what's going on with you. You know, we, we see each other, you know, on Sunday usually is all, sometimes a little more, you know, but I don't know necessarily what's going on. You. I mean, there's things that have happened to me all this week. I know they have you too. And so as, as I think about the things that I'm facing, I'm thinking, I wonder 
what Brother Donnie's going through at work. You know, I wonder what's happening there, you know, with Bruce at work. Um, and it doesn't have to be at work. I mean, I mean, I think about, you know, my mother-in-law and how she's been having to suffer after the fall that she had, you know, how she's feeling. Um, you know, there's so many things going on. We know some of the things, some of the things we don't. Um, but as I'm thinking about myself and the difficulties and the, and the hurdles that I'm facing, I'm thinking about the ones that you're facing and praying for you. Um, so let us lift one another up. Um, we're talking about lifting up our souls in verse number one. Let us lift one another up throughout the week. I mean, if there's a love for the brethren that Brother JT was talking about this morning, if there's a unity that indeed exists, then, then that's not a hard thing to do. It's not a laborious thing to do. It's not something that we don't want to do. It's something that we desire to do. I, I want to lift you up. I, mean, I, I didn't know you were sick, brother. I would have been praying, you know, about now I know. Uh, you still haven't fully recovered, and Sister Betty, she's still going through, and, and Sister Delina, you know, her, her mom, and I know she's still, and Sister Delina, I guess you're still facing some things yourself, but, but uh, we, we pray for one another. This morning, we received a text from, text from Sister Shelby. She's not here, right? You don't see her. She's missing. Where is she? Something's going on with Steve, and she's having to take care of him. So, you know, I'm, I'm already praying for her. Um, I, I don't have a mind exactly like Spurgeon you know, I mean, I, I can sit here and think about Shelby while I'm preaching to you. And I can think about how that she needs the Lord's strength and how she needs the Lord's help. But you've, you've read of Spurgeon before, Brother Bruce, how he'd be preaching and there'd be seven or eight different points that he could make. And he would choose, you know, which ones he was going to use while he was praying for people in the congregation. That's a mind. That's a God-given, you know, mind. I mean, he would he would go to you know, a, a commentary that he'd read before. <clears throat> he could tell you where something he was looking for, what page it was on, and, and what side of the book that page was on, right or left, you know. And it was just an incredible mind, you know, that, he, that the Lord had given him. But we see in verse number two, we'll start there this morning, the first three words. You ever hear anybody use those words? Hmm. What follows behind those words with David? Doesn't end there, does it? He doesn't just say, oh, my God. You know, we hear people use that, don't we? Um, but there ought to be something to follow that. I mean, you're addressing God. You're calling upon him. There ought to be something that follows that. What follows it here with David is, I trust in thee. Um, and he wouldn't say it the way that I said it. I mean, I said it somewhat the way you hear people that, don't really trust in the Lord, say it. You know, here it would have been, oh, my God, I trust in thee in, in the trouble that he was facing, whatever the trouble was. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Um, but we've heard people use them, haven't we, in vain. We've heard people use them as a byword um, is what we've heard them use, an expression I mean, if we got really technical about it and we, and we were to, to name some of those things that are said, let me just throw some out there. And the reason why this is on my mind is because one of the devotions that I received, the man was going through all of these and he was naming. Uh, it was actually Brother Mike Tomlinson. I don't know if y'all receive his devotion that he sends out, but um, I fall in and out of it. I don't know why. If he grabs one mailing list, you know, sometimes and another one sometimes. But this one I got, um, we had asked last time he was here to be make sure we were on it, but, you know, when we use the word gosh, 
right? When we use the word that that's just a substitute for God, isn't it? There ought to be something behind it. You know, we're going to say, oh my God, there ought to be something behind it. Um, the world certainly puts something behind God's name, using it in vain, right? <clears throat> but just like the word heck, that's just like hell. Dang, that's the same as damn. Dead gum, golly, geez, you may think I'm going too far, but it's that you go look them up in the dictionary. You will find the definition behind those things. And I only mention it to you because of what we, what I'm, the point I'm making here. I mean, you don't want to dishonor the Lord in your speech. We don't want corrupt communication to come forth out of our mouth. That doesn't have to be in, in, a, in a string of profanity. Uh, but if we're going to call upon the name of the Lord, there ought to be something that call, comes behind that. Uh, like David says here, I, I trust in you. He's setting God before him. Um, and, and if I'm going to say, oh, my God, that I'm, 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 setting, I'm setting this situation. Lord, here this situation is. Um, this, is, this, is, this, is this is too much for us. We, we, we're not able. We're not sufficient. Well, Lord, we trust in you. We need you in this, to move in this situation. What can we do? Uh, how, how, can we, how can we do anything here? I mean, if there is something we can do, that was Brother JT's message this morning. We ought to do good. Every chance that we get. Um, you know, do, 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 you, do you think about that as you're going throughout your day and interacting with people that you know do not love God? Do not know Him? And, 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 you, and the thought crosses your mind, well, I could do this for them. Do it. Because that's going to make them, that passage that you read, that heat burning coals, you know, that's going to make them, what, why in the world would that person do that for me? Have, have you ever had anybody say that about you? That, that didn't know the Lord? Remember Sister Louise and her mom? And the hurricane had come through and, and people didn't have power, didn't have water. Um, and where I was, I had water. I'd, I'd fill up jugs of water. I wasn't doing it for any type of you know, recognition or anything, but Sister Louise told me later on, she said that her mom said to her, what is wrong with that man? What is wrong with him? No, it's what's right with you. It's what's right with you that you would do good. What are we doing? We're doing it in the name of the Lord. Let me do good in his name. If I can, it wasn't a cup of water. It was a plastic jug of water. They didn't have any water to drink. They didn't have any water to bathe in. I took them as much as I possibly could. There was another lady that I, that she used to be the, I have no idea where she's at now, but there was another paper in Trinity besides the one that we, I think we still have. Do we still have a paper? Is it gone? Um, there was another one at one time. I guess we have none now. But the, there was the Trinity Standard that was around for a long time. I can't remember the other paper, paper that came up for a little while. But she was the managing editor of that paper. And I'd met her years before uh, when I was involved in the Chamber of Commerce. And then one day I pick her up on the side of the road. And I find out she's almost homeless. Um, she doesn't have enough money for food. She doesn't have, you know, eat, there's no water to the house that she's staying in. And you remember her? And we would, I, I'd try to find the biggest containers that I could in the vehicle that I had to be able to carry them to take her, you know, water to be, she was, when I picked her up, she was, she would walk from Trinity, I forget how many miles it was to a friend's house to take a shower. Um, and she had a bathtub, you know, in the house that she was staying in. So, you know, she had water, you know, she could, she could take a bath at her own house, you know, but, but, um, you know, if we can do good unto people, we ought to. 
Um, what good we can do? And what did that cost me? I mean, really. I mean, I, I know they charge me for the water that comes through the tap, um, you know, but what did that really cost me? But what, I, what, what, might, what might it lead to? Uh, what, what, what might a person ask you? What, what, is, what is this this hope that you have? What is, what is the reason of this hope? Why are you the way that, why, do you, why would you do this? You know, uh, they might just ask us about the Lord. Uh, we might just have an opportunity to speak to them. Um, I don't know if y'all heard Brother Donnie talking about this or not, but there was a guy that he was having to work with that just a string of profanities, you know, continually and, and, and towards God. And he had a conversation with him. And I may not be telling this quite accurately, Donnie, but, but Donnie, Donnie called him on it. And the man later thanked him. He said, I, I didn't really think about it. You know, thank you for bringing it to my attention. I think it was something of that nature, wasn't it? Um, you know, so, you know, what, what might the Lord do, you know, with us in someone's life? Um, but David says, says here, let me not be ashamed. You know, thinking about, I think it's a shame that they take the Lord's name in vain. When they could be calling upon him for salvation. When they could be calling upon him to to for, forgive them, they could believe upon him and ask for forgiveness and repent of their sins, and they could have salvation. And yet they take his name in vain. They use it flippantly. That's a byword. It's a profanity. David says, "Let me not be ashamed, because that's not how I'm calling upon your name. That's not how I'm using your name. I'm not using your name irreverently, Lord. I'm calling upon you in truth." I'm calling upon you for mercy. I'm calling upon you for goodness. For your goodness' sake, I'm calling upon you to show unto me mercy that you have shown unto so many others that you would show that mercy unto me. You, you remember the, the revival I was talking about and the girl that was laid there? There was enough room really for the preacher to get to the pulpit. He was having to climb over people to get to the pulpit. And there was one... There was one girl, college student, that was laying there on the floor. And she looks up at him and she says, is there mercy for me? What might the Lord do? I mean, that, that, was, that was the Lord moving amongst that community, um, you know, to where there was conviction of sin. I mean, you can try to convict people of their sin. Um, you can try to tell people that's wrong. But if, if the Lord doesn't convict them and move upon their hearts and their minds and cause them to come to a place where they say, this, I have sinned against a holy God. If I were to die right now, I would go to hell. You know, that's, that's the work of the Spirit, isn't it? <clears throat> Let me not be ashamed, I trust in you. Send help, deliver me. Let me not be ashamed by bringing, here's the other part that I think about this, this shame. You know, let me not be ashamed, Lord. I put my trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. You know, show me your salvation. You know, show me, show me the, the, the help and the strength and the deliverance that I need. Let me not be ashamed for trusting in you. Here's the other side of that for me. Let me not be ashamed by bringing reproach upon your name through doubt, through unbelief. Um, you know, I, I don't want, Lord, I believe. I feel like that, like so many times like that man, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. Help my unbelief. Let me not be ashamed. Let me not bring reproach upon you by my actions in any circumstances. 
that I may find myself in, no, no matter how difficult they might be, let me not bring reproach upon your name. I mean, he, he uses that, that type of, of terminology when he says in verse number two, let not mine enemies triumph over me. Well, how many enemies do you have? I said last week, there's more than you know, right? There's more than you know. Um, I mean, there's an unseen realm of demons, you know, fallen angels and the devil himself, you know, that are against you. His, his greatest pleasure is bringing you trouble, you know, and bringing you pain. That's his greatest pleasure, the devil himself. I mean, he, he wants to dishonor. You know, we're talking about we don't want to dishonor God. He wants to bring any work of God, you know, to an end that he can. Um, he wants to put out that light. He wants to, to, to cause that glory not to shine. But what are our enemies? How about our attitudes? Can that be your enemy? Your fleshly attitudes? Is that not an enemy? Aren't you going to be glad one day when you're rid of that in glory? Our thoughts? How, how often our thoughts can be? There's a battle going on in our minds. Our thoughts can be our enemy. How about our actions and how we, how we treat people? How we treat one another even in the church? Um, that's what Brother JT was stressing towards us. You, you, you've got to guard that, he said. How true, you know, that is. But our actions, I mean, we want in thought, word, and deed to bring glory and honor to the Lord in all that we do. I mean, I know that there are other places that we could, could think about as far as enemies, the, the lust that overcame David in the matter with Bathsheba. Um, there's not that would be just, you know, a, a sexual sort of lust. I mean, there's a lust for money. There's a lust for power. There's a lust for fame, um, you know, titles, you know, things of that nature, power, uh, possessions, instead of being content with such things as we have, aren't those things an enemy, you know, to our soul? And what we've already mentioned, you know, fear, doubt, unbelief, which frequently overcame the disciples. How many times did the Lord say unto the disciples, something would happen and he would turn to them and say, oh, ye of little faith. In other words, where is your faith? Where's that? And how often fear, doubt, and unbelief can overcome us. Then there's pride. That lifts its head up a lot, doesn't it? Um, pride. How, yeah, how dare you say that to me? Um, how dare you think that about me? How dare you think that I don't know what I'm doing? I, mean, I, I go on the job site and I'll tell the subcontractors there, that, look, I'm not a know-it-all. You know, if I see something that I think is wrong, I'm going to say something about it. But if you look at what I'm saying and you say, that's not exactly right, that's not what the plan says, feel free to tell me and let us have a discussion about it. You know, I, I tell them all that. I tell our guys that, you know, I'm, I don't want to be a know-it-all. I don't want to be in such a position where I can't be instructed, that, I, that I'm in such a place of pride that nobody can tell me anything. Uh, I want to be the, the clay in the master's hands. Lord, mold me, shape me, make me into whatever it is you know, take whatever rough edge off that needs to be taken off. Smooth that. Make me more like Christ. Um, so there's 
you know, again, pride, there's worry, um, there's anxiety, there's depression. Uh, these are all enemies that we face. Um, think about what 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, love not the world. I mean, it's there. It's, it's dangling itself in front of you all the time. You know, Brother Bruce was at a car dealership this week. Uh, I don't think that you were after the Maserati. You know, Brother JT talks about the Maserati. Um, you know, you were there to get something, I'm sure, that was dependable, practical, um, you know, mode of transportation for your sister-in-law, you know. Um, but how many people don't walk onto a dealership, you know, in that way? Um, you know, there's a lot of people that have looked at us and they thought, you know, minivan, that just is not me. You know, I don't want to be caught driving a minivan. But, you know, for us, it's, it was practical, you know. As far as the money that we spent on it compared to other vehicle platforms, you know, it, it just, we got more for what, you know, we were spending, you know, in, in that, that. But love not the world. A lot of people are going on to the dealership and they're, 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 they're looking for, you know, the, 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 the exotic, you know. Uh, or, you know, the, I'll be honest with you. Brother Bill, if I could still buy a truck that had a crank to roll down the window, I would. Um, I know that, that truck out there is getting some, getting some miles on it now. And everyone, I'll hit that unlock button. Dad will come to the passenger side, and he's trying to open the door. And I'm hitting the button, and it takes three or four times before it finally unlocks. You know, but used to, you could reach over there, and you could just pull it, you know, and you could roll the window down. You know? um, I don't know. If I ran off a bridge and I was underwater, I, I, could you th think you could crank it down? I don't know. There's a lot of pressure, you know, there. The, the electric window's probably not going to work. Um, but anyway, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, that, that kind of stuff I would drive my mom crazy with. We'd drive across a bridge. What if this bridge collapsed? Don't talk about stuff like that. You know, my mind was just always, I guess that's why I got an insurance. You know, what if? You know, what if this happened? What if that happened? You know, are you going to be covered in that situation or that situation? You know, um, but if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here it is. Here's these enemies, right? The lust of the flesh, right? The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So it's all around us all the time, right? It's all around us. The world, the flesh, the devil, it's all around us all the time. It's manifested in all sorts of circumstances and situations that we encounter in this life everywhere. I mean, temptation of any of these things that we've already mentioned. Uh, we were talking about the news cycle. You know, I mean, you could, you could pull up on your phone. The temptation's that far away. It's, it's not that far away. It's, it's, you know, my phone's not in my pocket right now. You know, it's, it's there. But, but most of the time it's in my pocket. You know, temptation's that far away. It's in your purse. It's that far away, right? So in, in any, I mean, like I said, the news cycle, I mean, here's worry. Oh, now what? Look, this has happened. You know, I've got something else to worry about. You know, and, and what's going to happen, you know, if, if that takes place, if that takes place. And so there's, there's an opportunity and a temptation there to be afraid and to fear and to be worried and anxiety and depression. You know, all could, and, and, and of course we can go into the, the realm of, 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 of lustful things that can be, I mean, it's just right there. I mean, used to people had to turn on the television, you know, or pick up a magazine. It's in your pocket now, you know. So there's enemies all around, all around. The world is daily producing that which is against 
God. Turning it out over and over and over again. That which rivals God. You know, that which is idolatrous in the sight of God. That which is against God. I mean, sin lies at the door. And its desire is to rule over you. But what did the Lord say? Sin shall not have dominion over you. Over you, his people. You, you get caught up in one of those things that we've been you know, generally describing. Guess what? The Lord's not going to allow you to stay there. You will. You, you may be a little worse for wear. I mean, it's like Brother Conrad used to talk about me like a, a, a chick, or maybe it was Brother Johnny Carter, like a chicken pulled through a knot hole backwards. You ever heard that before? I mean, that, his feathers would be a little ruffled, wouldn't he? You pull a chicken through a knot hole backwards? You know, just a little bit. You, 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 you may feel a little bit like that, you know, when you come out the other side, but the Lord's not going to allow sin to have dominion over you if you belong to him. I mean, we see in Romans 6, verses 12 through 14, it says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Now, before we were converted, before we were saved, before we were a believer, before we were a follower of Christ, you couldn't help it. And you didn't want to. You wanted more, you know, wanted more. Let me go further in that. Let me go deeper in that. Let me have more of that. The, the, what I've had is not enough. Um, you know, so, but in, in the position that you are as a believer in Christ, an evil thought comes to your mind, you can resist it. You can resist it. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Here's my soul, Lord. I mean, that's, that's yielding ourselves unto the Lord. Here I am, even negative news, sister, whatever, it, Lord, whatever it is that you've chosen, you know, to do, and I'm, I'm not saying this to build her up or to puff her up in any way, but when my mom got the, the diagnosis that she had Parkinson's, I've told you before, and, and this isn't her. This is what the Lord's produced in her. She came, when I asked her about it and she told me what the doctor had said, the next words that came out of her mouth were this, however the Lord wants to glorify himself. Now, most churches... That wouldn't even register. What are you talking about? That's bad. You know, how could you even think that about that? I mean, you, you, you need to be healed of that. Well, the Lord could do that. But he could also choose to glorify himself. Think about people. I mean, you think about the man in Scripture when the disciples ask, what sin did this, did this, young, this young man's mother or father commit that he was caused to be born with this deformity and the Lord said you don't understand it, it, it's it's not because of that it's because of this that God might be glorified you know and he was he was um, so yield yourselves unto God it's, it's the whole aspect of what brother JT was saying about humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God so Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. I can't help but say it here. I got it later in my notes, but I can't help but think about it right now, Brother Bruce. So you remember the disciples went out and, and they were casting out demons. And they came back and they were rejoicing that the demons were made subject to them. But what did the Lord say? Don't rejoice in that. 
but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice in that. Alive from the dead. Yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What a privileged, blessed place we occupy because of Christ. What a position that we've been brought into is the whole, the robes of righteousness that, that Brother JT was describing that go all the way. They cover all of our nakedness, all of our sin. Uh, where we have a covering, you know, we've been washed in the blood of the lamb. Um, so if the devil could in these things, he would devour you. He would consume you with anything that would wage war against your soul. Uh, here's how one hymn puts it. And I, I, I tried to state it a while ago, but this is exactly the way this hymn puts it. It says his, and I, I'm hoping that soon we'll be able to sing this hymn. But it says of the devil, his greatest pleasure is our pain. His greatest pleasure is our pain. I mean, he must have been just like some of these dogs that you see that, that they're on that leash and they're just, I mean, they're just rah, 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 you know, and they would just eat you alive if they could get to you. And the picture that I'm thinking about is when God says unto the, unto the devil, he says, have you considered my servant Job? And there's this hedge about him. I mean, it's just like that dog. You know, it's on, it's on God's leash. He can't get to him. You know, he can only go so far and no further. Um, but he would wage war against our souls, consume us, devour us with any... He's, that roam, he's, he's roaming about, roaring lion. He's seeking. He is actively seeking whom he may devour. He is seeking to devour you. Lord, I lift up my soul because there's an enemy out there that's roaming about like a roaring lion and he wants to devour me, so I lift up my soul. Keep me. Keep me from evil. Keep me from these things. David says, in the face of all these things, these enemies that we could name, put a face on, he says, oh Lord, I trust in you. I lift up my soul to you alone because you are able to keep it. You've heard the expression before, not to put all your eggs in one basket right? Well, Warren Buffett says, don't do that. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. As an investor, he says that. Elon Musk, as an inventor, says it's okay. I actually looked this up. He says it's okay as long as you control what happens to the basket. As a preacher, I say, you can't control what happens to the basket, but you are safe in Christ in putting all of your eggs in that basket because He's the one that keeps it and not me. He's keeping me. We can trust him. David says, in you I put my trust. It's, it's as if he's saying, in you alone I put my trust. So the inventor and the investor think they can control the outcome, but they can't. God does. God does. Their thinking's flawed. They, as we said before, would not consider some of the things that we see happening in one another's lives as being something that was profitable, that was good, that could bring God glory, that would be beneficial to us in any way. 
But we have an anchor that keeps the soul. Whatever happens to me, David says, I will trust in thee. I will trust in thee. Can you say that? Can you say that and mean it? Can you say that and be a reality? Let me say this. Can you say that and to such the extent that you'll never worry? <laughs> that you'll never fret? You know? No, we know that we can't. We, 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 we haven't, at least thus far. Uh, we may be better than we once were. Uh, the Lord may have brought us further along than we once you know, had been. We've grown more than we, than, we, than we were when we were first saved in some areas. But we want, that's our desire, Lord. Whatever happens, you're in control of the basket. Whatever happens to it, you know, then so be it. I trust you. Has he ever failed you? His word has not failed you. He's promised. Believe him and all will be well. That's that place of, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief, right? Because here we are, this thing's happened. We're saying, Lord, I trust you. But we're having to say, Lord, this doubt is trying to creep in. This unbelief is trying to grab hold. Um, you know, help my unbelief. I think about in that situation, I think about Job. And what was said about Job, about his end. It said the latter end of Job was greater than his beginning. Right? That's going to be true of each one who belongs to the Lord. Your latter end and whatever you're going through, your latter end is going to be greater than what started. Like in Job's circumstances, you know, he lost his children, lost his possessions, lost his health. His latter end will be like Job's. He'll be more blessed in the end than he was in the beginning. Right? More, we've seen, hey, we, Brother Bruce, we have the earnest of our inheritance. The best is yet to come. Joel Osteen is wrong. Your best life is not now. Right? The best is yet to come. Amen. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Keep me, strengthen me, deliver me from evil. Psalm 119, 117 says, Hold thou me up and I shall be saved. And I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. Don't miss that. I mean, we look at the first part, hold me up, I'll be safe. That sounds great. But if the Lord's holding us up, then the second part's true to us also, where it says, and I will have respect unto your statutes. I'm going to be in a better place in regards to what God has said unto me, what God expects of me, commands of me. Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind, that's the same sort of thing, whose mind is stayed upon thee. That means your mind is continually upon the Lord. You know, when that unbelieving spouse or that unbelieving coworker or that unbelieving neighbor approaches you, you could see him coming across the yard. If your mind stayed upon the Lord, you're already praying. Lord, I don't know what this is going to entail. I don't know what's going to, you know, he's coming over for. Let me be what you call me to be under this person. You know, he may be coming over to just to chew you out, you know, because he is your enemy. You know, and he's an enemy of God. 
and he knows what you are and who you belong to. And he, you know who his father is. I mean, what did the Lord say? You are of your father, the devil. Those are outside of Christ. And you're already praying, Lord, take control of this situation. Take control of this conversation. Turn this conversation unto you. I don't know how many family events I've gone to that way. You know, Thanksgiving, whatever, you know. Um, Lord, and, and I've, I've, you've heard others here pray about when we go back here. I've heard Donnie pray about it before, about our conversation when we go back here, you know, that, that it's honoring to the Lord, that we're you know, loving one another, that we're, we're being a blessing to one another in our, in our fellowship and communion with one another, that the Lord would look down upon that scene as we sit back there at that table. The Lord's looking down at that scene, and he is well pleased. That he's smiling over us as his children. And that, it, that there's even a passage that talks about him recording those things in his book. You know? He doesn't have to have a book. You know, we realize that. That's for us, right? Um, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Isn't that what David's saying? Lord, I trust in thee. I trust in thee. Well, when we think about those enemies, I can't help but think about 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. But of what? Love, right? What's before that, though? That's what we normally say, power. But of power. And of love. And of a sound mind. I can't have a sound mind unless I understand his power. I can't have a sound mind unless I understand his love, right? But I know his love for me. And having given his only begotten son, what will he not do? And knowing that he is over all, that he is sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent, everywhere. Not a situation, circumstance that I can be in, you know, that, that, that the Lord doesn't know. And that the Lord's not able to deliver me from. And that the Lord's not able to strengthen me through. And that the Lord's not able to help me, you know, in those circumstances. Not one. Not one. And so I can have a sound mind because of that power and because of that love. He's the reason for any soundness. You think about the Gadarenes demoniac. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus. What? Clothed. He'd been running through the tombs naked before. Clothed and in his right mind. That's, that speaks of soundness, doesn't it? A right mind. He's the reason for any soundness. He is my foundation. None, none who ever have trusted in him have been ashamed. None who ever will trust in him will ever be ashamed. You know, another, another definition of that word ashamed is disappointed. Disappointed. There were things as a kid that I wanted, and my parents were like, we can't afford that. I was disappointed. I wasn't ashamed necessarily, but I was disappointed that I couldn't have that thing, whatever it was. The Lord's only ever going to do us good. Uh, what he's going to give us is right. If we withhold something from us, you know, it's because we didn't need it. So we trust, you know, in him to do what is right and best concerning us. He's the father. We're the child. You know, he's the potter. We're the clay. He will only ever do what is right and best. We can trust him. 
We can trust him with anything and everything. He's our refuge, Psalm 46, verse 1 says, and our strength, a very present help in trouble. We may feel like Cohen, but he's far away sometimes. But that's just our feeling because that's not what his word says. It says he's very near, right? Draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh unto you. But Romans 10, 11 states it plainly, right? Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, shall not be disappointed. You think about people that you went to school with. I haven't made it back to a high school reunion yet. I'm not planning on it. It's not anywhere I really want to be. Um, but if I were to go back and see some of those people and what's happened in their lives and what's become of them, and, and they're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day. And if they're outside of Christ, they are going to be ashamed. They are going to be disappointed. Verse 3 says, Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. So what's David saying when he says, let me not be ashamed? He's asking the Lord to be strong on his behalf. He's asking the Lord to work in this situation. He's asking the Lord to help him. Here I lift my soul up to you. He begins in verse number one. Let me not be put to shame because your word says that none who trust in you ever will be. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. It's a testimony against our enemies and a comfort unto us. He's with us. He's not with them. He's with us. And you'll never be disappointed. Spurgeon said, the only shame that is worth having is a blessed shame, the shame of true repentance, which sorrows over past sin, of which it is ashamed. That's, the, that's, that's a profitable shame. You know, to think about that. I'm not saying introspectively you ought to dwell there. You know, take one look. Spurgeon also said this, take one look at yourself and a thousand looks to Christ. You know, but um, let me not be ashamed because I put my trust in you. Psalm 142, verse 6 says, Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors because they are stronger than I. Remember Hezekiah and Sennacherib? And you remember Sennacherib says, Do not let Hezekiah tell you to trust in the Lord. Look at all these other places that we've conquered and their gods that our gods were stronger than and we overcame them. So don't let Hezekiah tell you that your God is able to deliver you because he's not going to be able. And so Hezekiah prays. And don't you know the devil really does that same sort of thing with us? Oh, how, look what you've done. How could you think that you should be trusting in the Lord right now? You know, look at the circumstances that you're in. You know, why would the Lord help you after what you've done in this, this, the mess that you've made? I mean, you're just on your own here. Hezekiah prays in Isaiah 37, 20. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth, what's at stake here? Let me not be ashamed. What's at stake? The glory of God is at stake. Right? He says that all the kingdoms of the earth may know 
that thou art the Lord, even thou only. You are God. You alone are God. There are no other gods that, that are before you that could stand against you, that are, could be compared you know, unto you. And so God, in the end, answers Sennacherib. I'll just read one verse of Scripture. He says in verse 29 of, of that same chapter, 37, because thy rage against me, it was against Israel, but he says, because thy rage against me, you touch mine anointed, you're touching the apple of my eye, right? So because of thy rage against me and thy tumult is come up into my ears, therefore I will put my hook in thy nose and my bridle in thy lips, and I will turn thee back by the way which you came. He said, I'm going to enter into the city, and I'm going to be victorious. And God says, no, I'm going to put a hook in your nose and a bridle in your mouth, and I'm going to turn you back the way you came. You will not set foot in this city. So no wonder David says, I will trust in you. Hosea 14, 9 says, Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. You know, there's Hezekiah, and there's Sennacherib. You know, both. Well, I, I feel like I'm, I'm wearing you out. Um, I'm feeling like I, maybe I shouldn't try to make it all the way to verse number 7. You know, how you feeling? You okay? Yeah? No? You had enough yet? Um, I know if I ask you that question, you're going to say, well, I'm not going to say no. You know, how can I say no? So, but um, no matter what trouble, think about the disciples and the Lord saying, don't rejoice that the spirits are made subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven, no matter what the trouble. I mean, no matter what we go through, I mean, we rejoice that our names are written in heaven, that, that God, God is orchestrating the entirety of our life. I mean, from the cradle to the grave and beyond the grave. You know, he is over all of it. He is working in all of it. And you may say to me, Brother Russell, I know these things. Do you? Do you really know them? Because I could say that I do, but... This coming week when something happens in anxiety, worry, fear, unbelief, and doubt, then I begin to wonder, do I really believe them? Do I really believe these things? So, yes, we need to be told these things again and again and again. That was one of my concerns with going through the book of Psalms is there was going to be some repetitive things, you know, consecutively repetitive things. He did repeat them. Um, but do we need to hear them? Yeah. We need to hear them again. Yeah. Uh, do, do we find ourselves forgetting the things that we've heard? Yeah. Yeah. We find ourselves in what David is saying further on in the psalm here. Teach me. Lead me. You know, we're, it's the sheep and the shepherd. I mean, here we are again. You know, they're not the smartest animals in the barnyard. And, and they will walk off of a cliff. And they will fall into a crevice. And they will need to be delivered. And they will need the shepherd to, to, to save them from the bear and to save them from the lion. Uh, we're, we're in need. 
And the, like I said to you last week or the week before, the older I get, the more that I see my need of Christ. The more I see my need of, Lord, keep me from evil. Lord, keep, keep me from, from, deliver me, strengthen me. I mean, just over and over again. Um, your glory, I don't want to bring reproach upon your name. Your glory is at stake here. You think about what Moses talked. Moses talked about this in that way, didn't he? I mean, God says, "Let me, let me just destroy them, and we'll start over." And Moses says, "No, Lord, your your glory is at stake here. If that were to happen, then the Egyptians are going to say you brought them out in the wilderness to kill them." Um, so here's this intercession, you know, that's 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 happening. You know, God's glory is at stake. Uh, you know, how about Sodom and Gomorrah? If there be this many, Lord, if there be this many, Lord, if there be this many, if there be ten, Lord. Will you, will you spare the city? If there be that many? There wasn't even that many, was there? That, what I'm talking about, about Moses was there in Deuteronomy 9, verses 26 through 29. I prayed therefore unto the Lord, and he said, O Lord God, Destroy not thy people and thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed through thy greatness, which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember thy servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look not unto the stubbornness of this people, nor their wickedness, nor their sin, lest the land whence thou broughtest us out say, because the Lord was not able. Because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land which he promised them. And because he hated them, he had brought them out to slay them in the wilderness. Yet they are thy people and thine inheritance, which thou broughtest out by thy mighty power and by thy stretched out arm. Right? Deliver brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so in this situation. Bring glory through. Lord, let, let us not be ashamed. I mean, people know that we're trusting you. People know that we're hoping in you. People know that we're looking to you. Let us not be ashamed. We don't know when you might come. We don't know how long we might have to wait. We don't know what we may have to go through before that happens, but let us not be ashamed. We can make the same argument that Moses is making here. I read this at the conference we went to, Sister Provy, that John Newton said. He said this, he said, approach. Think about David lifting up his soul in verse number one. Approach my soul, the mercy seat, where Jesus answers prayer. There humbly fall before his feet, for none can perish there. Thy promise is my only plea. With this I venture nigh. Thou callest burdened souls to thee, and such, O Lord, am I. Such, O Lord, am I. One person put it like this, trusting the Lord to the end. Trusting the Lord to the end of that situation. Trusting the Lord to the end of that circumstance. Trusting the Lord to the end of our lives. Trusting Him. Simply trusting Him. Who has said unto us that we believing upon Him will not be ashamed. You know, the opposite is true of the transgressor. They've gone the way of Cain. Right? Jude 1.10 says, These speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally is brute, as brute beasts in those things, they corrupt themselves. Y'all read that, I guess, last week, didn't you? Going, when y'all met, y'all reading through Jude? Yeah. So Jude 1.10 talks about 
those who've gone the way of Cain, but they speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beast and those things, they corrupt themselves. 1 John 3.12 says, talks about Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Why am I mentioning that? Because of what the verse says here. It says, yea, let none of them that wait on thee be ashamed. In verse number three, let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. I mean, they would persecute you without cause. They would hate you without cause. They will be disappointed. Lord, let us not be disappointed. We trust in thee. And we're not going to be able to make it any further than that today, but at, at least we got through verse number three. You know, that was really the first section is verses one through three. Um, that's what I, I wanted to get well beyond last week, but we didn't. So we're still here in the first three verses. And, and when I think about that, you know, I think about how that there are things that, you know, believe me, that you say to me that, that are, that are helpful. Um, and so brother Donnie has come to me before and he's like, you know, you've got, you got to the end of the message and you just like made a dash for the finish line. He said, Hey, you know, we've got time. Let's, let's come back and we can cover those. You know, uh, he didn't use those exact words, but, but I think, brother, you said that to me maybe once or twice, and you know, I think about it oftentimes. Um, it was helpful. It's helpful. Um, I mean, you may feel like, man, we're, we're having to walk through oatmeal here. You know, we're getting through this so slow. Uh, we should have already been through Psalm 25. Why aren't we finished with Psalm 25 yet? Well, if it's profitable, if it's beneficial, if it's helpful, if it, if, it, if it'll strengthen you and help you and cause you to be able to stand and look to the Lord and ask him to strengthen you, cause you to be able to stand, uh, even though you know these things. What did Peter say about them? He said, I'm, I'm saying these things unto you to stir you up. I'm trying to stir up your pure minds. You have these things in your, I'm trying to stir them up. You know, Brother Conrad would put it in the illustration of a paint can. Any of you ever bought a can of paint and painted out of that can of paint? I know some of you have. Well, what do you got to do with it? Well, either you, in the store now, you know, you can have it, you know, shaken. But back before they had those, those shakers, you know, um, that you see there's a lot of explosions. There's paint everywhere, you know, all over those things. You see lids had to come off at some point. Yeah. But, you know, we used to have to take a stick, you know, stir them. Why? Because the, the weighty matters, you know, the solids are down towards the bottom. They need to be stirred up. The weightier matters need to be stirred up. We need to have these things stirred up. You know, I, I, I get it more than you do, right? I've been studying and looking at these things. Then I come and preach them to you, and I'm preaching these things to me as well. Um, I, I feel like a hypocrite sometimes. I'm preaching these, I study these things, preaching these things, and I'm like, Lord, I'm not doing these things perfectly, uh, but I know that I need to. I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you. What was it, the, the one pastor that we had here one time, he, and he was missing part of his index finger. I think it was cut off about right here. But he says, when I point one finger at you, I'm pointing you know, three back at me. I think I told you all that before. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not up here saying, you know, you got this in your eye and don't know that I have something in my eye too. Um, but, Lord, help us to be able to trust in him. And that's, that's the essence of what we've been talking about this morning is trusting in the Lord. I mean, the way is hard. Right? I mean, it's not the broad way. They need to go with the flow in that way. You know, it leads to destruction, though. It's, this is the narrow way. This, this is the difficult way. 
This is, this is the way that we're going to have to trust in the Lord. If we're, if we're going to make any progress in this way, we're going to have to trust in the Lord. Look unto him. Wait upon him. Ask him for strength. Ask him for mercy. Ask him for grace. I've got to go talk to this person, Lord, and my flesh wants to say some things, and I don't want it to have the opportunity. Uh, cause me to be able to hold my tongue and to be able to let, let only things that come forth from it be those which are seasoned with grace. Uh, you know, let, let, let my lips, you know, pour out good things. Um, you know, so, Lord, help, you know, in, in those circumstances, whatever face you want to put on them. Lord, I, I'm looking to you. I'm lifting my soul. I'm trusting in you. I'm waiting upon you. I'm asking for help. Let me not be ashamed. Let them be ashamed who persecute my soul. But let not me be ashamed. Be glorified. That's in essence what we've been talking about this morning.